Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Jeff Young. If we haven't met, I would love to meet you. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Carissa. And um, we are jumping into a brand new sermon series this morning called Made New. And so before we get to this, uh, before I really jump in, I just, um, man, oh man, I, it's like I, I don't want to hang too long on to this, this moment we just had, but, but there are moments in our walk with Jesus that we need to pay attention to. And so when he's trying to get our attention, it's nice that he slows us down. And I think that, that that time in worship together was just this moment where he slows us down because he wants to interact with you, with where you're at, with what you're, with what you're going through. And so I just, I don't know if there's something that you need to do, write a note, uh, put a reminder on your calendar uh, to simply surrender to Jesus that which you're struggling with, that with that, the, the wrestling match that you're having right now. And just surrender those things to him because I think it's, it's in the surrendering moments that we see him break through in ways that we never realized were even possible. And so it's a, it's a point of humility because you're actually letting go of the things that you feel like you can handle and you can take care of and you can do and all those things. But when we simply just release and let go, we see God come through in, in just really marvelous ways. And so I just want to encourage you in that and, um, and maybe even get prayer after service for something that came up. Like, man, I've, been, I've just been wrestling with this thing and I haven't been doing a good job of surrendering it to Jesus. So that's what you can pray with somebody for and with. That's, it's a really incredible thing that we, we get to do and partner together in prayer in those ways. So uh, would you do that with me? Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad everybody responded to that one. Wow. Okay. All right. Did everybody have their coffee this morning? Um, so we are, we're jumping into this new series called Made New. And uh, the last three weeks have been really uh, just, I feel like, very profound uh, for me in, in, in services. You haven't really seen me a whole lot in the last three services, which I, I love in a way. I, I kind of like have this like love-hate thing because I love being up here and preaching and doing all this. But also to see what had just transpired over the three weeks. So just track with me real quick. We had the Youth Sunday. Come on, shout out Youth Sunday. Man, wow, wow. I think we're still going, wow, wow. That was, that was just rich, profound, powerful, well done. Just so cool to, to see our church be able to do that together. I love the partnership aspect of it all. It wasn't just the youth coming and doing things. It was all of us together and, and having the youth lead and, and share and speak and, and worship and open doors and help in the classroom. I mean, it was just so, so amazing, so fun to see. And then we got to have some baptisms. Come on, shout out to baptisms. Five people getting baptized and just surrendering their lives, saying, I'm declaring out loud with my family that I'm Jesus's. I'm his. And I, there's no going back. I'm, the old is gone. The new is here. And I, I'm moving forward. And so then last week, then we had uh, some change in plans because we had the Super Bowl thing that we were going to do that we've done for several years that got canceled on us. That's okay. 
we, we did something better. Uh, we had our six pastors share for about, I don't know, five to 10 minutes each. And, and they just did such an incredible job of just sharing with, with the progress that they've seen in their own life, what God's done in their life. And, and just such an incredible way for us to like kind of grab hold and, and go, yeah, that can work for me too. That, I can do that as well. I can take another step as well. Baby steps, right? Pastor Bob, where's Bob? Where's Bob? He, he skipped out. Oh, there he, oh, he's hiding back there. All right. But really just this incredible, incredible thing that we've seen. And, and there's a theme that I felt like the Lord was revealing to me as I was just, we were walking through these three weeks. Um, I'm constantly asking the Lord, what do you, what do you want me to share? What do you have for our church? What's, what do you want to, to, um, to bring and so in these three weeks, I've just been really seeing this, this kind of theme of, of being made new, of being alive in Christ, of, of knowing your identity in him, because it's not about the person next to you, it's about who God's made you to be. And when you realize, man, God's made me to be me, that's cool, I have my flaws, but he's made me to be me, and I don't have to be that person next to me, or that, you don't have to be Pastor Jeff, you don't have to be anybody else but you, and when you realize this, you, you gain a freedom in this, in this place, and so uh, I just felt like, man, the Lord is speaking this, so I, I started just writing notes, grabbing scripture, and, and that's kind of how I like, I grab all of this stuff, and I'm praying through it, and asking our team and stuff, and, and we just kind of process through to this point of, man, let's just talk about being alive in Christ. What does it mean to be alive? Well, physically, obviously, you're breathing, your heart's beating, your brain's functioning, right? You're like, you're, you're walking and talking and you're doing the normal things of life. That's, that's being alive. But you know that we were all dead at one point. So, so the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's our theme scripture. It's, it says this, it says, uh, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And so when you actually say yes to Jesus, right? You say, man, Jesus died on the cross for me. He rose again. And when I say yes to this, there's a miraculous thing that happens internally with you. That the Lord takes the old garment of your old self, the old habits, the old ways, the old the, the ways of living by the world, the standards in which you lived. He takes that old garment and he lays it to rest in the grave where Jesus took it all in the first place. It's really profound and miraculous, this thing that happens within, that when you say yes to that, then you're made alive in Christ, made new. And in this newness of Christ, you have this discovery of going, okay, Lord, now, now I believe in you. I'm walking this new walk, but now I have this ability to say, now what? Like I've got, I've got a whiteboard that's clear in front of me. What do you want to put on it? What do you want to instill? What do you want to do? Who have you made me to be? And I want to walk this out with you. And there's a real interesting thing that happens between in this time frame where I'm saying, man, I'm a made new, great, but then in Ephesians, what we're going to hit is we see that we are alive in Christ. So I made new, great, but I have a life to live. That means there's great purpose within this new living creation that he's made. So I have this thing that I, I say yes to Jesus. I'm free. I have eternity in front of me with, in heaven with him. Praise God. That's amazing. But now I've got this trajectory out in front of me, this whole life to live. And I have this ability to make my own choices still. And sometimes you know that Christians were very good at deviating from the plan that God has for you. Is anybody else? Just, good, good, good. There's two of us in the house. Three, I see three. All the rest of you are liars. It's fine. Jesus is, you deviated from his plan. You see what just happened there. So 
We see this happen several times, and, and it's a real challenge. The different, I want to just delineate the difference between a believer and a follower. A follower is a believer. Okay, now not just like a follower, like I'm just going to do what everybody else does. Not that kind of follower. I'm talking about a follower of Jesus, that I'm going to commit my way to his ways, okay? That's the kind of follower I'm talking about. But if you're a believer, you're someone who says, yeah, I believe that Jesus did those things. Cool. I I said yes to Jesus, I received salvation, and then you just kind of stay in that spot. A follower is one filled with action. A follower actually has this place that says, now I'm going to follow after the ways of Christ. I'm actually going to, I know, get this, do what he says. I'm actually going to say, man, because Jesus did all these things for me, he made me new. He took that cross. He took my sin. He took my shame. He took my brokenness. He took my iniquity. He took it all, everything. He took it on his shoulders. And I have this chance to actually follow after him because of what he did. And it's a response from within to say, I'm not just a believer. I am, man, I am a follower of Christ. Um, I, I have heard so many times, um, I get this comment a lot because our youth group is awesome. Like, hey, I want to get my kid into youth group. I'm like, hey, I want to get you in church. I want, I just, it would be so great for them. Yeah, but if they get it and you don't, man, you're really missing out. And, and honestly, if, as a parent, I said this the other day, it just came out. So I'm going to say it again because I liked it so much. Man, if you let your kids lead your faith, you will not have one unless their faith is really strong. But as a child, it's probably not gonna happen. You have to help develop that and walk and be the parent that God's called you to be and rise up and be committed to the plan of Christ that is for you, but also because you have your kids, it's created for them too. So it's the oil that flows down from Aaron's beard, right? It goes down and, and it goes into my family. It goes into my household. So what I decide, I lead. And it's a, if I'm a follower of Christ, man, my kids hopefully are gonna follow after with me, okay? So I, I wanna be a follower. So there's, there's those things. And then I hear some things like, yeah, I'll just kind of do that later on. Like, I just kind of appeased the spouse because I, I love them and it's kind of their thing. It's not really my thing. And, and so there's just this like thing that I just do that it's cool, but I'll just do it later. When the Lord is saying, I have a plan for you. I have a life to live that's alive, that's beating and thriving for you, for, for the Lord, that is purposeful, that is faith-filled, that is new, that is actually uh, fulfilling inside my whole entire fiber of my being type of thing. And so when you jump into this arena of being a follower of Christ, it's very different than just being like, yeah, cool, I believe. Great, high five. Now let's get in the game. That's one of the reasons why here, like, I don't want to see anybody being a bystander. Uh, being a participant in the kingdom of God together in the community and the body of Christ, there's something that brings us to this deeper level of saying, we're all following after Christ because we don't do it alone. We do it together. And when we do it together, man, we have this momentum and strength together that, that burdens our uh, shoulders, the burden together. So that's the, the delineation I want to take. Now, I want to look at this, this uh, the, the world real quick. And I want to look at this picture of what is it like to live according to the standards of this world? So this is probably most likely before you're a believer. 
Okay, but sometimes after you've received salvation, you find ourselves, our, 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 we find ourselves kind of coming back into these things, these old ways of living that, that aren't exactly what, isn't exactly what the Lord wants. So just real quick, the world is filled with, you probably see it up on the board, chaos, disorder, shame, pressure, disappointment, fear, evil, hate. Now we could go on and on, right? And you might say, well, Christians and followers of Christ deal with that too. Yes, but we have a different perspective. The perspective is that we have hope in front of us. The perspective is that no matter what, Christ is with me and he's taking me through these things and he's walking with me. So I have a different eyesight, I have a different vision. I look at them way differently. So whatever impacts me, I know that I can grab onto Christ and hold firm to him as I walk through these things because we're part of the world. We're not of the world is what Christ says. So I want to just talk through this kind of slowly, just to walk us through just this, this picture of the world. We live in the world, so you're going to be like, yeah, 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 I get it. But you have to understand the enemy is crafty. The, the devil is, is very much trying to get in everybody's business in every which way, and he has a plan. So the enemy, uh, Paul says he's, he's like a, a masquerading like an angel of light, most people have this picture that the enemy, the devil, is like this big scary horns and red and the, fork, the, the, the pitchfork and all this stuff, flames. That's not the case. He, he masquerades as an angel of light. He's probably very attractive, probably very beautiful, probably very appealing, very much like, man, I will be drawn in and lured into the, the schemes of the enemy because, well, it looks, it feels, it seems Right? It seems good. It seems like, wow, this is gonna, this is fine. We're, we're all good. This is great. And it's so easy for the, for the enemy to creep in in these ways. And I wanna try to slow down and talk through this a little bit with you guys because we have to be vigilant. Peter says we have to be sober-minded. Like we have got to be clear. We have to know that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking to whom he can devour. Uh, uh, Jesus calls it, he says that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to be vigilant and we have to know what is the enemy doing today? How is he getting in your back door? How, how, is, he, how is he creeping into your heart and your mind? How, how are, is he uh, getting real estate in your heart so he's not ugly, he's attractive. His ways of the world are cunning, deceitful, and extremely luring. Listen, making the world and its ways seem better, more effective, and even more loving than the ways of Christ. So there's this drawing in like, oh, this seems like, this seems right, it feels good. Uh, sounding nice and looking good, it's no wonder Christians are so easily swayed by the world. Well, this seems like we should just be all, do all of this, all of this together. But for good reason. For the church and the followers of Jesus do not represent the ways of the Lord with integrity and often are found guilty of hypocrisy. <laughs> like, it was that little, whoo. I'm not trying to throw arrows at anybody, but I'm, I'm really trying to say like, we've all fall short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. I've all, I, I, I have, you have, we all have messed up, but we want to continue to have this, this idea and understanding that we're made new, that we're alive in Christ and that we're following after him with all, our whole heart, whole mind and whole strength. Um, Gandhi, he has this classic quote. He says, uh, I like your Christ. I just don't like your Christians. 
So there's this idea from the world that, well, the church should be better. It should be, it should be this, should be that, should be this. And, and, and granted, yeah, we can probably say, yeah, that's actually, yes, we can step up. We can rise up. We can, we can actually do, do better in a lot of ways that Christ asks us to. But collectively together, as we step into the following of Christ together collectively, we will do that more and more. Let me tell you more about this. The world gives and presses identity on everyone. The one of the ways that the enemy tries to do this, he tries to give you an identity when Christ is the only one who can give you the identity that, you, uh, that he made you with. Because why? He's our creator. So if he created you, the enemy's biggest number, maybe his number one job is to ruin your identity because that will shuffle and shake your viewpoint of God. So the Lord really wants to make sure that we have a clear understanding of this. The world has its own absolute truth, and that truth is that there is no truth. Does anybody else have a problem with this? The one truth they know is that there is no truth. But, they, but if they believe that, it's, it's counterintuitive. But this is something that's so pressed. No, no, no. Everybody has their own truth. Jesus is the truth. So, we, so if we're followers of the way, the truth, and the life, he gives us this truth of who he is, who he's made us to be alive in him, walking through this life and leading a way that, that shows us uh, that is so contrary to the world. The world has redefined the following. God, Bible, creation, truth, marriage, identity, Love, compassion, and gender. I could probably go on, but those were the ones that came to, to my mind pretty quickly. The enemy has come in and even stolen the identity of those things, what they were truly meant to be for all of us. Therefore, you, you see, it's like if I, have, if, I have, if I have a rifle and a scope, I can see so clearly through it. But, but when, when we allow the enemy to change these things up, what happens is it ends up looking like, I used to love those things. You'd, you'd point them up into the sky and you'd, you'd move them around and there were like crystals or marbles in there or something and it'd create all these cool, like vibrant colors and stuff. While that looks, what's that? Kaleidoscope. Thank you, ladies. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I was clueless on what they were called. But those kaleidoscopes are cool, but they, they don't give you a good view point of anything. In fact, it gives you fractions of everything. So you never have this clear vantage point of who God has made you to be and how he intended us to live. So these two things are really, really critical. So, so this is what the world says. Check it out. Your truth is your truth. And that's called moral relativism. You get to decide. Whatever you believe is true is totally fine. Well, if that's, that actually falls really, really quickly. If you keep on going down that road, it ends up eroding and fighting itself. That doesn't really work. Love is love. We're just, we just want to love everybody. Who is love? Christ. So if Christ is love, then I walk in Christ and in his love, his perfect love casts out all fear. But the world wants to, uh, uh, Elisa Childers, she, she calls it language theft. I love that. She, like the world has taken a lot of these words, like words like love, and and defined it on their own, which is a very different definition than what the love of the of the Lord is for us. Who's loving this? Everybody, I feel like everybody's like, 
Oh, dear God, I can't believe he's going down this road. Don't worry, it will only get worse for a minute. (laughs) Be who you are. Only you can define yourself. Well, if that's the case, then what I'm saying is that my creator didn't create me. I, I get to decide. So, so even in our flaws, you guys, even when we look in the mirror, even when we see all the, the, all the things, right? I know that God created me. So I can be grateful and understand that he created me for what he's asking me to do and to be. So I have to come to the creator. The next thing, you can be anything you desire to be. Um, I, I, I imagine maybe some of us parents have said this to our kids. You just, you can be whoever you want to be. And I'm so sorry to say this, but that's a total lie. And, and here's why. Check out, like so many uh, of us parents in the sports world, right? Are, we so want our kids to be pro athletes. Man, we are like spending millions of dollars. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, by the way. Getting our kids to get that, that half a scholarship to the JC that could possibly, maybe, maybe walk on at a university. Maybe. Listen, 0.0029% chance that your kid is going to be a professional athlete. 100% chance they will stand in front of Jesus. Dang. So, So we've got to walk this out. You can only count on and rely on yourself. How about this? You deserve the life you want to live. You deserve it. We're going to actually read in a minute that we actually deserve wrath. It's going to be so fun, you guys. I can't wait to get to this. The goal of life is happiness. Yikes. What if I told you the goal of life is sacrifice? Jesus, that was his goal. He sacrificed on the cross. And then he says, pick up your cross and follow after me. So, so actually, man, there's, there's a lot of sacrifice involved in this life with Jesus. And then finally, I mean, this is, there's so many things, but do what feels right to you. This, this feelings over faith. So if this world is filled with all this all these things that sound so good. They sound so appealing. Like there's this drawing in, there's this momentum for sure that, that if we're not careful, we can whoo, get caught up into and we have to get a safety valve or safety, like safety raft or something to help us out of it. James chapter 3.16 warns us. It says, uh, he says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, talking about the wisdom of the world, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. Wisdom of this world leads to, leads to all of these evil practices. So let's open up to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, we're gonna read this and uh, we're gonna see what this life is really intended to be with Christ. Ephesians chapter two, I'm gonna read one through five. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Yay, <laughs> you are all dead, okay? In which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and, the, and the, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
Verse three, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But because of this great love, because of his great love, love of us, love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I think I could read that passage over and over and over again. There's so many points to this, but we were dead uh, because of sin. That's the very first thing he launched out with. We were, we were dead. So, so it, as a non-believer, there's death, right? Sin leads to death. The, the wages of sin is death. And so that's what Christ says. And, and, it, and that's what Romans says. So if, Christ, if, if sin leads to death, there's this, there's this blockade, right? Be, uh, that sin places in front of us and Jesus, in front of us and the Father and the cross took that away. When we follow the ways of the world and the, the ways of Satan, that, that what I just talked about as far as the world, man is spiritually and morally dead. There's this decaying, there's this, there's this no breath of fresh, fresh life, there's this no revival. The old is still there, the new is yet to come. And so there's this moment where, man, I have this life on this earth without any understanding of eternity. So man, that really changes your perspective, right? So I'm gonna live this life, man, as if all out, like that's all I got. But the understanding with hope in front of us that eternity is in front of us, it really changes the dynamic and, and the way in which we should live that we're all in need of the savior because of this sin that's in front of us. So all of us are in this place or were in this place, okay? We lived like the ways of the world, like he just des- described, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And that's really giving way uh, to whatever we desire without consideration or consequence. It's just like, I'm just going to live my life, man. I want it all. I don't, like, I don't care about any consequences. I just want to be desired. I want to, I want to have my desires fulfilled and I'm going to live this life as best as I possibly can. And this is what happens. It says, when we live like this, we're deserving of wrath. And, and here's why. Because God's judgment of sin is wrath, for sin disconnects fellowship for every person from God. Okay, that's the first thing. It disconnects us from the Father, okay? Sin totally disrupts our relationship with the Father. And then secondly, because it disrupts our relationship with the Father, check it out, sin confuses and distorts who we were made to be by the Father, so, so you understand, like, no wonder those who are not under Christ are so confused about their identity. And I'm not just talking about gender stuff. I'm talking about just who God's made us inside and out to be. Like, there's so much confusion in this area because they're not going to the creator who said, I made you, I purposely made you in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were born. I have good works in front of you. So those are the two things that sin does. That's why God has this wrath towards sin that says, I'm going after that sin because I wanna eradicate it so that I can have a relationship with my sons and my daughters. The world and its chaos and distortions have crept into uh, the church and believers and the followers of Jesus. So we have to stand guard. That's why we've gotta understand this life of death and this life alive in Christ. We've really gotta like, man, I wanna have, I just wanna have my sights on that. 
I want to make sure that I'm not wavering one way or another. Okay, so if we were dead in our sin, when Christ came and when we said yes to Jesus, this is what happens. We are alive with Christ because of God's love, even when we were dead. So Christ took the cross even when we, he knew we would be in, be in our own sin. Even when we, he knew that we were still going to be living this life for the world, he said, I'm still going to take this cross because of the joy set before me is what, what Hebrews says. So God made us alive and we're all, uh, we were all dead because of sin, but God giving us Jesus makes us alive. He makes us new. He makes us alive. So, so it's interesting going from breathing, like living my life, to I'm made new and I'm made alive spiritually. So I have this new purpose, this new intention, this new identity that walks with the body of Christ together to Jesus. So because of Christ, only because of Christ, we are alive. So here's this mirror image of, the, of, of death and life. Uh, the old and the new. The new has come. The old is gone. And so we want to walk this out together. But we have to have, man, some diligence and be sober-minded through this all. I want to talk through real quick the way of the world versus the way of the believer. Just, just thinking through the difference here. So the way of the world is dead, uh, dead to sin, but the way of the believer is alive with Christ. We just talked through. Uh, disobedient instead of obedient. Chaotic, peaceful. Disorder, ordered. Confused, understands, selfish, sacrificial, prideful, humble, uh, humble. <laughs> I was doing so good. Prideful, humble, greedy to giving, seeks pleasure, serves, skeptical, hope-filled, but can still have questions, by the way. Short-lived, eternal-focused, aimless to purposeful, comfortable, to uncomfortable, even though that might be one of our biggest challenges is we find ourselves way too comfortable. Even right now, we're like a little uncomfortable because of the sermon. I can feel it. Like, oh my gosh, he's saying all of these things. Well, because we need to have clarity. And if we don't have clarity with ourselves, how can we bring a, a, a word to the world? I think Jill said that. Shout out to Jill. Comfortable to uncomfortable. Listen, hostile to God versus submissive to God. And those are just some. So a Christian life, let me just walk this out with you. A Christian life is this. It's alive. We just read that. It's a new life. Acts 5.20 says, I'm going to rip through these scriptures. So if you want to jot them down, do that. Uh, a Christian life is a new life. Acts 5.20, he says this. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life life. Uh, a Christian life is a, a living sacrifice. Romans 12, one through two says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. A Christian life is purposeful. Acts 17 says this, for in 17, 28 says, for in him, we live and move and have our being. We live, we move, and we have our being. Talk about a purpose-driven life, not to mention Rick Warren there, but uh, a Christian life is part of the family of God. Galatians 3.26 says, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. John 1.12 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, check this out real quick. 
We were all created by God, but not are all in the family of God. You are in the family of God when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, therefore becoming a child of God. So it's through faith in Christ that brings us into the family of God. So there's, the, there's a big delineation there. Uh, a Christian life is on a specific mission. It's on mission. Uh, talk about the Great Commission. But Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But if I'm living according to the world, how on earth would I know the good works that, are, that I'm supposed to do? There's no way I'm going to have the uh, ability to understand and hear God's voice living the way of, of old, living the, the, this old life. And then finally, uh, this Christian life is not our own. Jeremiah 10, 23, he, he just lays it out. Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. Like he's so clear. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. Like we have to surrender and be submissive to say, you created me. Now, now you can use me however you desire. What is it that you would want for my life? Because you know that most of all. So a Christian life is opposite of the life of the world. Um, I don't have the worship team come back up. We're gonna close in worship. But as they're doing that, I want you to, if you have your Bible, open it up to Romans chapter eight. Uh, real quick, uh, verses 11 through 14, it says this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Okay, so you said yes to Christ. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is, this is profound. This is powerful. This is the life that we're supposed to live. This is the way in which we go. And then in verse 12, it says this. So therefore, because of all that, brothers and sisters, again, family, he said, for those who have Christ within them, now your family, he says, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Don't you love that? Like now you have an obligation. Now that you know you've got to follow, you've got to do, you've got to act, you've got to respond. He says, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. Rather, for it, uh, verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit who put, uh, excuse me, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Can you guys stand together? We're gonna close in worship. I just, we, ha we have to take a step back every once in a while. And this is like big picture gospel orientation a little bit. This is, this is we have to understand what Jesus is all about. Um, it, I have to know that Jesus took that cross and he rose again, conquering sin and death together. And therefore, because I believe in him, because I, I trust in him, because I come under his authority, I, I'm also to live this life according to his ways. And I, and I want to encourage all of you to, to, to step into that. What's, what's your, your next step with that, with Jesus? What's, your, what's the next place you're supposed to go to with this? Uh, maybe, it's, maybe you've just never really fully jumped in all in, and you're like, you know what, this is the moment right now. Maybe that's it. Maybe some of you have tried to live the, the one foot in, one foot out, and I appease, and I just want to kind of do just because, and I just don't want to rock the boat. Well, I want to encourage you, 
Read, read this scripture again. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. God's got an eternity in front of us. And it's going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you look. It's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you interact. It's going to change the way you work. It's going to change everything. But the first step is saying, I'm all in. I want to be made new in all of this. So what I would love to do is just let's respond in worship. Take this moment, lift your hands, raise your voice, kneel down, write down, whatever you need to do. Take a moment to pray as we're worshiping. But I'm going to come back up and we're going to pray together. And I want to talk through a couple more things with you as we do that. So let's, let's worship.
scripture it says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and Christ didn't set us free. We're free indeed. He, he set us free. So when we say yes to Jesus in, in every aspect, in every way of our life, in every situation, in everything and submit ourselves under his authority. And sometimes that's the, probably the hardest, most vulnerable place to be is saying, Lord, I get it. I surrender it all to you. It's one of the hardest things to do, but I encourage you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there, there's freedom. And, and sometimes it feels as though we're walking into a trap, but the Lord, that's, a, that's such a lie from the enemy. The Lord says, I've got, I've, got a, I've got freedom in front of you. Freedom from fear. Freedom from situations that you have got yourself into. That he wants to walk you through. I love the story of Paul and Silas where they were thrown in prison. And they're in this deep, dark pit of a prison. And they're bound by chains. They're beat up. They're broken. And what happens? What do they begin to do? Yet they begin to worship. And through their worship, through them saying, Jesus, we're going to praise you even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the, the, the craziness the, the, the shackles began to shake and break loose. The, the door, the prison doors were open wide. And that's an incredible picture of salvation. The world wants to say you're free when in reality they've imprisoned you. And Jesus is here to say, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So Jesus, we just offer that up to you. Lord, I thank you that there are some in here who want to say yes to you, maybe for the first time, maybe yet again. But Lord, I pray that it would be your voice leading them. I thank you that it's your kindness and your compassion and your love that woos us to this place of understanding who you are in all of our lives. So Lord, I I thank you that you give us this place of rest under your authority. Lord, no longer do we have to strive and just get through things. And there's a place of even taking a deep breath where we can come under you that says we're safe, we're free. So if that's you this morning, I just encourage you just to say yes to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm all in. I believe in you. Forgive me for everything. You're free of sin. You're free of shame. You're free of doubt. You're free of fear. It's all you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, uh, just so you know, I don't know if any of you know this, but it could be good for you right now or for someone you love. Like we've got these little yes packets kind of all over the place at the usher table. Man, if you're wanting to say yes and want that next step with Jesus, those are great to look at and to connect with. So grab one of those on your way out. I'd love to pray with anybody who needs it. But other than that, we love you guys. Have an incredible Sunday and we'll see you guys later on. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.